Okay, so I'm going to ask for reading volunteers. So, be ready for that. Um, who wants to read? So, we're going to read from Ephesians 2.13 to 3.13. So, I'm going to have someone read the rest of chapter 2, and then someone else read the chunk from chapter 3. Who wants to do chapter 2? Okay, we got chapter 2. And then who wants to do the rest of chapter 3 till 3.13? The sisters. I love it. Okay, so um, before they start reading, just a quick refresher. Um, Paul just got done talking about the hopelessness we had in Christ. Um, Abby talked, talked about that last week um, and how we're separated from God. But tonight, as we look into the rest of chapter 2 and into 3, um, we'll see that God has completely changed our situation. So you guys can go ahead and read. But now, Thank you. Um, I know that was long, so I appreciate you guys volunteering to read that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to jump in. Um, God, I thank you for tonight, and I thank you for the weather, and I thank you for your word, and that we just could spend time um, learning from it. Um, Lord, I pray that you open our hearts and our ears, and that we could really just take from this passage what you want us to take, and that um, we're just able to focus on you during this time, and I pray that you bless our conversations we have in our D groups, and just keep us safe as we do so. Amen. Okay, so this passage starts with, but now in Christ Jesus. Um, if you guys look at verse 13. And Paul previously talked about how we are without hope, but with, but now, as it says, everything has changed. We are once far from God, but now we're near. And a good word for this is reconciliation, which was in the text. And that's kind of a churchy word that you might hear, hear like get thrown around sometimes. And this pretty much means through Jesus' work on the cross, um, the broken relationship between God and man has been restored. Um, now, this section of scripture mentions Jews and Gentiles a lot, and so did Abby's section that she talked about last week. And Gentiles are just those who aren't, weren't Jewish. And historically, these two groups were very different from each other. Um, from the way they dressed, what they ate, their art, um, their ideals, um, there was very clear tension between the two at times. And as I was writing this message, I was trying to think of a type of person I was really different than. And what just kept coming to mind was a Mizzou fan. Um, for example, they're like, they like black and gold. I like crimson and blue and they love Missouri. I love Kansas. They lose a lot. We win a lot. Um, but there's division, right? Yeah. <laughs> Any Mizzou fans? I got some booze in middle school. Um, and I know rival sports teams are just a silly example. Um, but we live in a world where divisions all around us. Um, you see it in politics, you see it between different social classes, um, between races, within churches, within families. And here Paul's telling us that there's these two very two different divided groups and Christ has united them in his perfect plan to unite all things under Christ. So they aren't just Jews and Gentiles anymore. They are, we are made new again. And so tonight, kind of what I have is I have four statements that we'll go over following the pattern is the church is blank. And by the church, I'm talking about the big C church. So like capital C, meaning the universal body of believers. So anyone who's put their faith in Christ is a part of the big C church. And compared to the little C church, which is like your local church community, like LCF. Sound good? So we're talking about the big C church. And I also want to be clear that our earthly church isn't perfect in any of these things. Um, the little C church is 
run by some sinful people in a sinful world and church hurt is real and the church isn't perfect by any means and you'll see the you could see this in the past the way the jews treated the gentiles when they're um, trying to join the christian community many jews didn't think um, gentiles could be followers of christ without following old testament law and so even today you don't have to look far to see the reality of people getting hurt by the church but god has a great vision for all those who believe in him so my first statement we already kind of touched on um, is the first word is united. Um, so the church is united. And we see this all throughout the six section of scripture that they just read for us. Um, and this all kind of falls under the umbrella of through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, verse 14, it says, made us both one. Verse 16 says it kills hostility. Verse 19 says we're no longer strangers. And verse six said we are a part of the same body. Um, when we, became Christ, when we become a Christian, we're spiritually reborn and we're made new again, um, adopted in God's family, and now we're members of God's household. And what unites us is now far greater than what could ever divide us. And through Christ, we have access to God and we could all depend on him at any time. And that should bring ultimate unity and peace, um, even to those in our church family that are different than us. Um, maybe someone that you don't have anything in common with. Maybe someone you don't know at all and don't ever talk to maybe they're in different grades like you guys are all part of the same family and you guys are all part of um, God's household so this should bring peace you have something in common with someone you don't even know even if that's someone in our church family or someone halfway across the world um, the next point I have is that the church is solid um, verse 20 says built on the foundations of apostles and prophets Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone now, cornerstone's another word that's kind of thrown around in church often. Um, and if you don't know, the cornerstone's traditionally the first stone laid in a structure. And all of the stones are laid in reference. And so I brought this little Lego. Does anyone like Legos here or ever liked Legos? Yeah, I see a couple people. Um, this, my brother said, this is called a snot block. I don't know if that's true. He could have just wanted me to say snot in front of everyone and I would believe it. But supposedly this is a snot block. And if you can see, it's a little bit different than the normal Legos that we played with uh, as kids, the really simple ones. There's um, pegs on all the sides, right? And this is kind of a bigger version of that. Um, so this is my cornerstone. This is not what the cornerstones looked like back in the olden days, but you know, for reference. Um, but something like this, yeah, I didn't make it, don't worry. <laughs> My brother made it. <laughs> this has one of these little things in the middle and it would not be possible if it didn't have that stone or that brick in the middle of it. Um, you wouldn't be able to get all these different things going all these different directions. If you take out that cornerstone, it will fall apart and it's not the same creation as it was, right? And so saying Christ is the center and everything's built around it. That's what it's designed to be like, right? And so the foundation of the church is solid and unchanging and we're founded on the gospel of Christ. And Jesus talks about the importance of a firm foundation all throughout scripture. Um, in Matthew 16, when Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus responds on this rock, I will build my church. And during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says those who live by his teaching are like a wise man building his house on stable rock rather than shifting sand. Um, it's human nature to choose the easy way out. Um, even if you look at like sand, it's easy on the surface, but as soon as a storm comes, as in like 
a flood, like representing like trials and tests, like a builder will be left with nothing but a pile of rubble, right? So it's important to build your faith, build your belief on a firm foundation that is unchanging. And I want to point out that this is the entire house must be on a firm foundation, not just a few parts. It can be really easy for us to compartmentalize. I had to practice that word a lot when I was preparing for the sermon, but I'm close. But anyways, it can be really easy to compartmentalize our lives without being aware of it. Um, maybe that your friends are on this side and your Sundays are in another corner. Um, it can be really easy to do that. But what does it look like to have Christ part of every single part of your life? Um, and that's why it's important to spend so much time in scripture and prayer um, and constantly reevaluating your foundation and being aware of any cracks or um, places that you may be falling short or maybe that you're forgetting the gospel, right? My third point is that the church is beautiful. Um, verse 21 says the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. So in 1 Peter 2.5, Peter says something similar. He calls us living stones. We're building blocks that are built upon the cornerstone and build his temple. And the commentary I read put it really well. So it said, a great temple stood in Ephesus, but Paul says through Christ, by the spirit, there's a better temple and that it's made of people from every single tribe and tongue and we're joined together and built together. Each one of us related to another in a special way and we're all growing together in Christ. So we're all uniquely and beautifully made with different gifts, personalities, and talents. Um, I know I could just look into this group of people and I just know some of you have some really neat talents like worship or prayer or um, hospitality um, that maybe I don't have. And those are all important and they're important to God's church. They're important to God's community. And they all play a role, almost like every brick in this plays a role to make the whole, right? Um, another way to think of this is just a sports team. Um, if you take baseball, for example, um, like Ben, is a pitcher and a catcher different? Do they do different things? Yeah. yeah? Do they practice different? Sure. Like, do they do weights differently? Is it pretty different? Do they do the same things? No, they don't do the same thing. Yeah, they do the same thing. Um, they're usually built differently. Usually pitchers are a lot taller, um, while um, catchers are usually a lot more, like, built, right? And um, their jobs are different, and they practice differently. Um, weights, those are usually different as well. Um, if a team was missing either one of them um, from a game, the team would be unable to succeed. Um, the two different positions work together to help a team win. And so what I'm trying to say here is each one of us is important and a part of God's perfect plan. And in addition to this, Paul's saying we need each other. We're called to be a community, not just individual people who follow Christ. Um, we're not meant to do that alone. Um, we should live the Christian life together, centered in Christ and rooted in scripture. Then my last kind of point is a little bit shorter than the others, but just as important, um, and is that the church is alive. Um, verse 22 says, built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. Um, in the Old Testament, um, God dwelled in the temple, and the temple took human form in Jesus. And the Big C Church is now a dwelling place for God. And if you've accepted Christ in your heart, you are a temple. Um, and every church is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if you are in the biggest sanctuary in the world, if you're inside, if you're meeting outside because VBS is setting up. Um, every gathered assembly of God's people is God's temple, and his dwelling place is among us. Um, 
so how does this truth like affect the way you live, the way you carry yourself, the way you treat yourself, um, the way you treat others? It should radically change the way we live our lives as followers of Christ um, in every section of life, right? So my kind of big question, um, I have a couple of them, but my main one is, is why is a unified church a great witness to an unbelieving world? And I'll say that again in your, um, your leaders will have that question so they can repeat it for you. But is why is a unified church great witness to an unbelieving world? And how can you be doing better at um, fulfilling these statements that I said? As a quick review, what were the words I said? Let's see if everyone can get it. Raise your hand if you know a word. Well, this isn't fair. You guys are my last resort. <laughs> you guys can't tell me any of my words I just said. Alive. Alive. That's one. Very good. Hmm? United and beautiful. Alive, united, and beautiful. I have one more. Guys, check out my guns. Firm <laughs> or strong. <laughs> I wouldn't say my muscles are so much firm, but I have been doing a lot of workout classes lately. Um, <laughs> but like, how are you guys like adding to that? How are you, can you guys be more aware of those things? Um, if you like, if um, you want to focus on like the church being united, like how can you better love those people in your church community? How can you better love other Christians? Does that mean that you, um, step back and try not to judge other Christians. Maybe that means um, accepting people into um, church, welcoming, welcoming them and inviting. Um, so what does that look like for you? And we'll kind of talk about that in our D groups and you guys kind of dive a little bit deeper um, in those questions. And that's kind of all I have for you guys.